Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Music Media's Midsummer Music Matinee. My name is Kai Savas, and I am the founder of Film Music Media. I'm excited to speak with these talented composers on their recent projects. So please join me in welcoming our panelists. Uh, first up, we have the composer of the animated drama Charlotte. Please welcome Michelino Buscelia. Hi, everybody. Michelino. Thank you. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, the composer of Apple TV's animation short, Blush. Please welcome Joy Niao. Hi. Hi, Joy. <laughs> and uh, next, we have a composer that recently worked on Amazon's The Boys Season 3. Please welcome Matt Bowen. Hey there. Thanks for having me. And last but not least, we have uh, a composer that recently worked on Nickelodeon's The Loud House Movie. Please welcome Philip White. Hi, everybody. Hey, Philip. So uh, let's uh, just get started. We'll go, we'll go down the line. I'll, um, um, this is a question for everybody. Uh, so when you know we're here talking about animation, I love animation. I work at Cartoon Network Studios and, and production systems. I work with all our show teams, so I know the process quite well. But I want to hear everyone's uh, perspective on it and how you see it. You know, related to maybe other things you do in your career. So uh, let's start with the question of when you score or songwrite uh, for an animated project, is there anything different in the early stages of your process? Are you scoring to an animatic? Do you uh, wait for that locked picture. I'm curious what everybody is, uh, everyone's processes, and and from your from your project. So uh, Matt, let's start with you. We can start with yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and just to be, I, I do work on on the boys with with Chris Leonard's, but I uh, I think uh, related to this panel, I I think it's um, brought on because of the work on the diabolical spinoff, which is yes, the, the animation animated. animated portion. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean I can I don't know that I'm speaking universally. I can definitely speak from the experience on that project where we started with an animatic, which is very helpful from um, you know a spotting and a timing standpoint. But the challenge there is a lot of times it's missing a lot of information. So one right. thing that the production team did that was insanely helpful is they they just had all this beautiful beautiful artwork that they also sent over that just really helped establish the the world that we'd be living in. Um, you know, from the animatic, it 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 didn't really convey. You know, one of the one of the we we worked on two episodes, and I say we uh, I co-scored uh, these episodes with Chris Leonard's. Um, one of the episodes was just it had this incredible grit and grime to it that really wasn't in the animatic. But thankfully, when they sent that artwork over, it was like, oh, okay, that's the world we're living in. Great, we can get right. started. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, Philip, how about you? T let's talk about your process and when you apply it, when you work on the animation. Sure. Uh, yeah, just to piggyback off what Matt said, um, something similar that happened with Loud House was, um, again, um, uh, maybe this is different, uh, certainly was different for me, but I had a huge amount of time to work on it, which is, it happened right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and they didn't have it scheduled for another another year so there was a lot of a lot of early time of just sort of you know time to explore ideas and so forth but to matt's point about once um once they um the team started sending us just color prints of just and they were just stills but of what uh the the, the cells would ultimately look like it really informed literally the color informed the color of the instrumentation, I think, that I ended up oh, wow. going for. Um, so there was sort of a, a correlation between the actual color of the cells and the and the musical color that would ultimately be um, uh, part of it. But um, for, uh, so something cool, uh, so Matt and I also collaborate a lot with with Chris Leonard's and- uh, yeah, you're, the, you're the Chris Leonard's boys, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I know Chris, I know Chris White well. I've been to his house and, and studio and everything. Yeah, so I know Chris. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a total mensch. Um, uh, and uh, in our case, uh, he had the idea of um, pitching to this, to the team of actually writing a song that would be uh, like an emotional linchpin for the whole piece, uh, for the whole movie. Uh, and then the underscore would be would incorporate themes from it, and and we we would score it you know throughout, and then it would ideally have uh, you know a big emotional payoff at the end. So we actually started writing a song, and then the underscore was informed from that, uh, which was so so helpful because once you have even just two or three themes, you can do so much with them. Um, especially with animation, I think it affords a lot of flexibility in terms of how you arrange different motifs and such. So for us, it was it was great to be able to start with a song first 
and then use that as the, the building block for the whole underscore. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it creates, I think, a great anchor point, you know, to, to build off of great foundation for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Joy, how about you? What's, what's the early stage process and animation look like for you? Yeah, I think similar to Philip and Matt, um, I feel like there's a lot more time in the pre-production where the composers will be brought on early on, seeing the sketches, uh, reading the script, uh, seeing this artwork, um, seeing the animatics. And it's just so incredible to see the process of it. Every time they send me a cut, it's like, oh, something new is in this cut. And it inspires the music and it goes so hand in hand together because they say that the music inspires them when they're animating as well. Um, and I think the process can be different from live action. Uh, at the moment, I'm scoring two TV shows. One is the animation and one is live action. And um, the process is different where uh, I do get bring on, brought on really early for the animation uh, to create character themes so they can build up of that. Uh, for the live action, it's more like I send them temp music or pre-existing music. So they take that and like edit it into the temp and then we'll have a conversation from there. Might be different for different productions, but sure. it's, it's interesting to see how when these two parallel together, like, oh, the process is a, di a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Michalino, how about you? How, what is your process like in early on animation? Well, it would uh, basically with Charlotte, which was a special kind of film, uh, was more like a biopic of a true story. Um, had to go a little deeper, uh, try to, to catch her. Uh, a, who was she as a person? What was her character? What so I had to all find kind of a development and research before any music was on paper. And um, actually, I was composing um, quite lots of themes and, and sketches already based on the script. Um, because again, also like Joe was saying, I was pretty early in the end stage of the production. Um, and then it came this whole pandemic problem <laughs> we all had to face through, we had to go through that, uh, which gave me a lot of time, more time that was uh, um, um, planned ahead. So uh, while the animatic was getting developed, I could try things out on the animatic. Uh, on the animatic. Um, it was, um, it, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I hadn't that much experience with uh, animation. Uh, I'm doing much more... Um, uh, live action films, but uh, uh, this film was in all its aspect more like in live action than an animation. The only thing which was in animation was what you were seeing actually in terms of an emotion and uh, in terms of uh, how this the story evolved and also especially how this the sound design was developed uh, with the voice of Karina. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, and design is such an underrated part of everything coming together, especially animation when everything has to be created from scratch, you know, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> absolutely. So um, there's another uh, question for the whole panel. We'll go around the room again. Um, do you find that uh, animated projects let you explore different genres of scoring within the same project? I think animation does allow, and from my point of view, it allows, you know, to move really quickly and kind of be big and bold and move across different genres. So uh, we'll start with Joy this time. Joy, do you feel like that what, what does animation afford you as a composer <laughs> in terms of yeah well like you said I definitely think so it, it plays music plays such an active role in animation and you know it can sometimes become the voices of the characters when there's no dialogue it can act as sound effect or acts as a motor to bring momentum to an action a movement and because the story worlds and the characters can be so dynamic there's so much space and creativity involved it really i think allows us the composers to explore different genres uh, when scoring and be very creative with our music which i think is one of the best parts in scoring animation absolutely uh michalino uh, talk to talk to talk to me about that about uh, genres and what it can afford you as a composer <laughs> uh well uh in this case, it was a kind of a drama, you know. So there was yeah, you had a, you had a very movie. serious subject matter with this one. So it wasn't you know yes. we're not we're not talking about colorful things and so uh, yeah. So this was more and even more actually. I kind of excluded to go too far with other. I just right. wanted to say uh, a very specific on her throughout the whole film as much as I could, but maybe we will bring that up later on in discussion also. So um, yeah. But what I felt was that, of course, you have to recreate this whole 
realistic world as much as possible. So, uh, so you know, design design will be developed. So there's much room, much space for little details, for ref a lot of refinement. Um, actually, it was a challenge to have a huge orchestra, but to use it as minimal as possible. <laughs> that was. Uh, it was a great uh, tool to play with, but it was a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, I can imagine. Would you would you have applied uh, uh, the same kind of things that you did if this was a live action drama compared to animation? Did, did the fact that this was animated change your approach to the to the genre at all? I didn't feel it that much in this story, in this project, as uh, uh, if I have to be honest. But it was also the kind of the, the film it was. It was like I said, it was like right. it's like a biopic. So it was it's a heavy drama, very heavy story. Yes. So uh, we all had to feel it. Uh, actually, the producers decided to, to make an animation to not make it too heavy, even you know to make, wow. to imagine how how strong it was. So. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so Matt. Uh, Talk to us about yeah working on the boys. I mean that's already you're, you're taking a certain genre and building upon it and kind of making its own thing. And it's I mean you know talk about the the whole process and when it shifted to animation. <laughs> yeah no well yeah diabolical was the they they brought Chris and I on so that there was some you know I think some continuity there. And that said, as soon as we were brought on, they said, don't we're not looking for regurgitation here. They these need to be. You know, we're we're inspired by the boys, and we want you to be inspired by what you've been doing on the boys. But these are their own things, and they're right. And they really are. They're you know, each episode is a complete standalone direction artistically. And so we worked on two different episodes, and those two scores couldn't have been more different. Um, and then you know, with regards to to kind of the genre hopping that you've mentioned, you know, again, I can only speak from our experience on Diabolical. But it it sounds like you know these were these were just twelve minute shorts, yeah. and they were they were just a wild ride that you kind of just needed to follow. So I think you know listening to Michelino talk about you know he he's has this I think you know broader brushstroke, uh, very dense story, uh, very serious. These were uh, not broad brushstrokes. These were very quick movements. <laughs> um not dark stuff well they were dark but in a in a very different way um you know right. I, I hear i hear you know philip mentioned they wrote a song and then they could they could extract from that which sounds amazing and it sounds like a really fun process but on these there was no there was no time to plant a seed that we could then reference later because by the time uh, as a matter of fact not only were both episodes the score for both episodes were completely different but i would say the score within the episodes were completely different as you kind of went linearly. I mean, the the first episode alone, we started in Brit, Brit punk land, and then it turned to kind of psychedelic rock. And then we had full on super Americana superhero. Uh, and then we had kind of tongue in cheek, cheesy superhero anthem. And then that took that anthem and, and it devolved into, we kind of mangled and distorted it. So that that's the arc over just one of the episodes um so again just speaking from the experience on on diabolical but yeah the the genre hopping was was very much uh, there for us yeah absolutely <laughs> uh philip talk to us about loud house and how did that afford you the ability to kind of jump around sure. yeah um it, it sounds like just from listening to everybody it's uh ultimately the the story will drive will drive the music sure. yeah. and um Certainly with Loud House, uh, there was a, some element of, of taking what the series had done um, to an extent, but uh, from the very beginning, the producers really wanted to uh, make it seem as sort of big and it, they wanted to really make it feel like a movie as much as possible and not a, right. not a, not a, uh, a small screen uh, show. So um, we started out with um, some punk, elements which is which sort of represents the, the brashiness of the of the loud house family there's um i believe there's there's 11 kids uh and one boy every all the other kids are, are they're all girls and they span you know they're like from ages you know six months to 18 and um and lincoln is the he's 11 i believe and he's like right smack in the middle and the the, the punk sound was just sort of their just you know the the craziness of 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 the kids, I suppose, but we also had orchestra, 
And then a big component of the film was uh, them going to Scotland to sort of rediscover their roots. So we incorporated a lot of you know, Celtic elements, dulcimers and fiddle and uh, uh, bagpipes and, you know, just sort of placed here and there. And in combination with orchestra and band elements, um, there was even one little uh, sort of... Uh, Lincoln's best friend is a baker and then he talks about his backstory uh with his French roots and so we had like this sort of French adjacent you know little like accordion segment which is just like you know it the 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 nice thing with animation is that when it's when it's appropriate you you can switch really dramatically very quickly and yeah. the audience will just go with it you know you don't really need to explain um which is right. something that uh, with live action, you can do, but it's, I think, I think we, um, as audience members, I think we give animation more permission to just kind of do whatever and go with it. So yeah, it, it also, um, there was a lot of gear shifting <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Michalina, I want to jump to you and, uh, talk to, talk to you about Charlotte. So you composed the, the soundtrack for Charlotte. Uh, it's a tragically beautiful true story, as you mentioned, of Charlotte Solomon, who a young Jewish, uh, uh, German-Jewish painter uh, who flees Berlin on the eve of the Second World War. So what was it like, uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit, what was it like creating the soundtrack for a story that's as emotional as that and, and that has those true story kind of elements? Um, well, it was, I started off uh, by visiting um, some museums in, in London and in New York. I wanted to see all her works as much as possible. She was she was a great artist, very gifted, very young. Uh, she had a future. She had a dream. She wanted, like we all have as as musicians, we wanted to you know make our dream come true. You know that's what I felt. So, but I wanted to to yeah, I wanted to be close to her work as much as possible. Yeah. So I stayed a couple of hours in those places. Then I bought uh, at the uh, a book with all her works looks like a thousand uh, drawings that she has more or less thousand so I spent some time reading about her and uh, and after that I did uh, quite um, some some zoom calls quite a lot actually with uh, the directors we had two directors Eric Guara and uh, Tahir Rana um, to, to see their view how they saw it also with the producer which, which was uh, Julia Robes she was Julia Rosenberg, sorry, she was really involved in the in the development of the film, and spent a lot of time to talk to them. You know, I had to, I wanted to create a music that personalized her as much as possible, to so you could really hear, feel her, kind of almost touch her. You know, uh, yeah. but. Um, I needed to know who she was, uh, how much juice does she felt for herself? You know, she was young. She was kind of naive a little bit. She, she didn't have much to do with this, uh, her belief, you know, or her, her background. And then the other background was the uh, the uh, Nazi camp. Um, well, the second world war was, was just in the beginning of the world, uh, of the world war. Um, at the end, I decided to stay with her. I, I left out all the other elements. In the music, you feel it, it's there, but it's not in the foreground, it's really in the background. And But I had to find a way with the makers of the film to, to, to follow my uh, choice in a way. And uh, it's, you know, you have, well, like we all know, you know, you have many ways to go, you know, but you have to go for, you have to choose. Yeah. yeah. And I was very happy that they kind of follow me in the beginning. They kind of were maybe a little careful with it. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure? But that's okay. That's great. When, when there's doubt, that's great. When there is, uh, uh, where's room to rethink, uh, um, some approaches and then we went all all along and, and and i'm very happy how it turned out yeah yeah that sounds amazing so it seems like you really wanted to make you know the music a musical portrait of of, of her and just and kind of yeah yeah design and build from that make it intimate and personal yeah yeah, for instance, the, one of the most um, strongest uh, element in the film, you know, you have this uh, Kristallnacht event in the Second World War, where actually the World War started. You know, this is a scene that has been filmed maybe thousand times, and you hear thousand times militaries and snares and stuff like that, which is, yeah. of course, that's what you're seeing. 
but you also see Charlotte running in the street. She's very afraid. She's scared. And I left out all the rest and just stayed with her, which is one set cello and built up around her. And but that's a big choice to make. And 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 I wanted to the directors and the producer to to follow this kind of approach. And at the end, I am very happy that uh, they kind of yeah they 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 went along yeah, they, with my, my approach. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, so, uh, Joy, let's jump over to you. You did an amazing job at capturing the essence of grief in the soundtrack for Blush. Is it difficult to capture kind of a personal emotion, you know, that we all relate to? I'm, I'm curious, do you, are you thinking of, I've, I've talked to composers about this a little bit, and it's interesting. I've heard some people be like, oh, I'm more like an actor, and I'm trying to convey this emotion. Or do you get a little bit more autobiographical, and do you pull from your own experiences? And how do you make sure that that feels organic and true and really kind of resonates with everybody. Right, I, I think that is the, that was actually the beauty of scoring Blush is because it's such a personal story to our director. Mm -hmm. um, and through this process, it was very therapeutic for all of us. Cause like you said, grief is something that we all experience. And I think because of that, it really connected the whole crew together. Um, it gave us a purpose to want to strive to honor, you know, the memory of his late wife and to also explore this, emotion that we all feel so universally in many different aspects because grief is not just about sadness it also is about remembering those happy moments is about moving on uh, yeah. with love healing and hope so the fun part of it really was to explore you know writing music uh, writing the, the musical theme in very different variations and showcasing like a wide range of emotions that we experience you know in this life um and it also helps me to reminds me to think of like whenever I'm writing something, it think of all the elements with intention. Like why why am I adding this passage here? Like what purpose right. does it serve? Like one of the ideas actually that I had based on all those you know wonderful conversations with my director is how our family is like our oxygen, our loved ones is like our source of life, and it because of the, those conversations, it inspires me to have include some vocal elements or breath uh, to kind of where we place those elements was very intentional. Like when our loved ones are around us, we have air, but when they leave, it feels mm. like we're losing air. Um, so I think it really served a purpose and helped me come back to the core. Why am I writing this music? Um, what message does the director and wants to you know, give to the audience, which is healing and hope, so. Wow. That's really I love that. Process. Yeah, the, the air aspect is that's brilliant. I love that. That's just bringing the air and taking it out. Like that's yeah, and it's all it's all inspired by the director. So it's so fun, like to have those conversations. It, it helps inspire the music. Absolutely, yeah. It's all about the conversation, the collaboration, for sure. Uh, so let's uh, jump over to Matt. So Matt, every I mean, you, you talked about uh, how every episode of The Boys Diabolical is this kind of standalone story. So can you tell us a bit more about your episode and the work in this kind of unique series like yeah sure um uh so chris and i scored two episodes actually uh because there were two episodes that were kind of most closely tied to the mothership as we call it uh the the main the main boys series um <laughs> so there was two episodes that were most closely tied in and so those are the ones that we worked on and that said as i as i mentioned day one they were like don't don't do what you've already done, which was right, which was right. cool. Um, but that said, that that material is sitting there in case you need to reference it. So for one of the episodes, we we kind of used uh, it, it was tricky because uh, uh, one of the central characters, his name is Butcher, and we have a very established sound for him on the main show. And then one of the episodes is very much centered around him. Um, but we needed to give him a different sound. So we kind of needed to actually turn off, okay, we're, we're going to not allow ourselves to use these elements that we use in the main show. We're going to take this a different approach. But it still needed to have his uh, brashness and his, and his swag. So we still needed to accomplish a lot of the same things, but to have it sound sonically different, um, which I thought would be a bigger challenge. But once you're responding to the art and the visual in front of you, then it does kind of inform you creatively to take it a different direction. Um, and on the other episode, it actually turned out to be it, it's, it's very much canon for the boys series. The other episodes called one plus one equals two. 
and it serves as a prequel. Uh, it's it's Homelander again, one of the the main center, central characters of the main show. It's uh, it's kind of his origin story, um, and that one was just that one was a wild ride. That um, that that again, you, you're just, you're following the story, and I don't want right. to oversimplify it, but it, it a lot of it does kind of write itself as you just kind of let the story in. Um, and then there was a really cool moment. I'm gonna not fully describe it because it is at the end of the episodes if you haven't seen it i don't want to spoil it but there was a really cool moment where we just very overtly use one of our themes from the main show just very appropriately uh, i'll just say and it felt so good to because it was a prequel um and so we did it in a very straight you know it wasn't like a texture it wasn't hidden it was just a solo french horn saying here is that melody in all its glory um, and because if you think about it in a, you know, it being a prequel that, that, you know, if you were to watch it linearly, then that should exist in its most basic form at that moment. And then as the live action show comes up, then it's a bigger, more resounding version of it. So um, that was really fun and rewarding to be able to acknowledge the score for the main show. But for the most part, um, the scores did really kind of live in their own their own world. Yeah, that's and you, you said that each episode was twelve minutes. I I think twelve twelve ish minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So like when at Cartoon Network Studios, like our our episodes are you know quarter hour, eleven minutes per episode, mm -hmm. and that yeah you have to really like the 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 beat of the story just keeps moving, you know, and then you just kind of have to follow that over along. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I I would I would kind of mentally say each each episode then also I would say we're broken into two acts, kind of roughly. Mm -hmm. um, creatively they just I don't know that that's necessarily our approach but that's just kind of they ended up where the score in the first half of one is completely different than the score in the the, the second half um and that happened on, on both episodes um yeah yeah absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh let's go over to uh Philip so Philip you worked on the score and main theme for the Loud House movie based on the theme that Chris uh, Leonard's wrote for the show can you walk us through your approach and uh for the film and, sure. and what your and what were your favorite maybe a favorite moment uh, or sequence from the from the movie that you scored sure yeah so um so as i said earlier we um chris really uh advocated for uh, writing a song first that we would then kind of hang everything on and uh unfortunately the the producers were were, were very much on board um especially because they were also um creating it as a musical. Um, there were, I think, six other songs that we weren't responsible for. Uh, they had a separate songwriting team that wrote fantastic songs for it. Um, but we thought, you know, hey, if we can also add one more, um, where we could build the underscore around, it would just sort of help tie everything in a little better. So um, yeah, uh, Chris, uh, I, I hope I'm not outing him too much, but I think it's actually kind of sweet the way we sort of went back and forth we literally just traded voice memos like he sent me early <laughs> on just the voice memo for the main theme and that's kind of what it, it kind of what it was I just yeah I just took that and played some guitar under it and sent it back to him and then he then a, you know we just kind of went back and forth like that and that ended up being the chorus of the main song um and then uh, <clears throat> excuse me he um I think we each took a stab at lyrics and we ended up combining them. Um, in the end, I sort of, you, it, it's a nice uh, aspect of uh, collaboration when at the end of the project, you're not really sure of like who was responsible for what. It's just sort of a, a nice blend and that's that's yeah. sort of how it happened. Um, so once we had the song um, and uh, and fortunately the the production team was, you know, they were they're very much on board and really liked it. We then, um just took uh the all you know the themes from the different you know from the chorus from the pre-chorus from the verse and and i started just plugging them in as it seemed appropriate um which is really 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 fun um and in terms of a favorite moment uh there's one i'd say the the, the nemesis of the movie is this uh this uh, scottish innkeeper this lady named morag who um uh is the she's the innkeeper of this castle where the whole family descends upon and she really resents them and just just wants them out as as uh 
you know, as quickly as possible. Um, also for reasons that become clear later, she, she kind of wants to sort of maintain control of this whole uh, castle and their, their little uh, town. Um, but there's a moment when she just, everyone's kind of turning on her and she just has this moment of inner frustration where she just decides to leave and she takes this like, I don't know how to describe it, just this like boiling anger journey through like, you know, the woods. And it's just like, and it's just, and it's all just music. Like she's just yeah. like, it's just like, she's not saying a word. She's just like rowing her boat through this little lake and she goes underneath this hill and she travels up to this mountaintop and then just like yet lets out this scream. And so the score just like, it was fun to just color that whole journey cut out right before she screams and then it's just like ah you know so uh <laughs> that was uh that was a fun cue to write um there were many there were many and and actually i really enjoyed yeah. just combining um band elements you know we used a lot of uh, drums bass guitar but added you know some celtic instruments on top of that you know whether it was bagpipes or just um i can't remember you know dulcimers and, and things like that so um yeah that's uh that was one one cue that that uh that stood out that's awesome because you get to just kind of a of center stage to put music and just let it let it kind of drive the scene yeah. or follow the scene that how it's driven but like, exactly yeah exactly absolutely so uh piggy, kind of piggybacking on what you're saying philip you're talking about collaboration how important that was and and i want to kind of go around the room again and ask everyone you know collaboration is such an important process are part of the process for composing, whether you're collaborating with your music team or whether you're collaborating with your filmmakers, fellow filmmakers, your directors, producers. So I'd love to just kind of ask, you know, uh, how important is collaboration when it comes to the composing process for you? And what is the your key to success in collaborating, whether it's, uh, you know, whether learning how to compromise or, or giving ideas or taking feedback or giving feedback. So I'm just curious, everyone's process. I know we'll start with uh, Michalina. I know you talked about just working with your directors to get on board with your vision. So I'm curious, maybe how you did that. How did you convince them? Were they apprehensive? This wasn't the right approach. I'm just curious. And maybe anything else in your in your perspective of, of collaboration and all well, that? Yeah, well, actually, um, that's something that is very important for me and every film that I'm working on is that um, first you have to trust. There needs to be a lot of confidence between the people working on, especially on, on the small group that you are for the most part of time uh, developing the whole music to create a kind of a room where you can allow it yourself to just, you know, create something that maybe is completely wrong, you know, but yeah. it's okay to do it. You have that ability to have that space, you know, to, to go to, to, to figure out, to find the border still where you can go, you know, even if it's, if it's interesting to find something that is completely wrong because there you can, you have a big, much bigger play to play with and to 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 and and it's a, i think it sometimes might be problematic if 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 the space is too narrow you know like something something in you know where your options are so limited it's interesting well you always have to limit the options of course but by start it's interesting to see how far can you go you know uh, the opposite of it and actually I do talk like that with the directors. Please give me space. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give, yeah. Me room, give me room to experiment with things, uh, uh, with harmonies, melodic developments, orchestration, whatever it it, it can be. You know, um, yeah. I, I that's and actually I did I had that with with uh, with Charlotte a lot. Also with this new film that it's not an animation, it's a live action film. And I remember he came over to Belgium. I'm, I'm living in Belgium and we just spent the whole day talking, not about the film, but just talking, how do we work? You know, how, how much room do you want to have? How much room do we need to work? You know, it was very interesting uh, to, to have that, that moment with, uh, with the director or with those who are deciding what you're going to do, you know? 
Exactly. No, I think it's so important that, you know, directors trust their composers and have and what you're saying that have room to to fail because you, you're trying things and you have to experiment to see what works and what doesn't. And if it's that pressure exactly. that you have to like get approval every single time you submit something for review, that, that would be so stressful and you wouldn't be creating. You would just be trying to either follow the temp or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. But, you know, <laughs> that sounds like you yeah. have such an, a rewarding creative environment, though. So that sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah. But Joy, Joy, let's jump over to you. What's your experience with uh, your your take on collaboration? How important is it for you and your process? Um, it's so important. I I think that's kind of my main inspiration and why I want to be a composer is human connection. Um, mm -hmm. I really love connecting with filmmakers or also music team, um, learning about their stories, inspirations. I, I truly believe everyone has a unique story and perspective to tell and. I think by connecting with another human being, whether it's your filmmaker, someone from your team, um, the screenwriters, I, I just, it's, it feels that it's enriching, not only as a composer, but as a human. Um, yeah, and I think with yeah. all these human experiences, that's what we bring to the table. Um, that's why we want to do art um, and understanding the why, you know, like what, why are we tell why are we doing this? Um, it really does serve as such a great backbone to the musical theme. Um, and also like, so for Blush, we did everything through Zoom um, during the pandemic. But the first time we all met in person was at the recording session. And that was just surreal. It just reminded us like, wow, we really, the human connection is just, that's why we're here. It's like to yeah, be in the same yeah. room with people, to feel, to, to connect. And that truly brings such a big purpose. Um, and I think it, it just helps everything. It helps everything that we do as a creative. Absolutely. I mean, I was doing some panels with the SCL uh, in the past week, and they were I was moderating, you know, creators and composers who had never met in person. And I'm just yeah. like, you know, and they're just, you know, we've only worked worked on Zoom. And I know mm -hmm. how that is, because I mean, when the pandemic hit, like animation didn't stop. Live action yeah. came to a halt. But we were scrambling and sending out, you know, remote recording kits to people's homes. You know, we were we had adapted and kept going. And and mm -hmm. but that connection is so important because yeah, what I got into yeah. this, why I love film and TV and gaming and all that it's it's the exploring the human condition i think that's you nailed it right on the head there yeah yeah such a beautiful reminder right like everyone comes together the first thing we say is you're real like we're not seeing each other in a little <laughs> screen like oh my god that's what you look like yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing it's incredible that's the best part of our job i think absolutely uh matt uh you i mean you know you work with chris and you have an amazing team there so talk about collaboration how important it is uh, with you yeah i mean it it it's everything you know we we work in isolation so much so I, I, any yeah. any <laughs> any grain of collaboration we can get we we take you know we i i, yeah. I think I, I think all composers just really thrive off of that so i did have the immense luxury of co-scoring with chris so that uh, right away was you know i i wasn't scoring in a vacuum uh, yeah. you know, as, as Chris and I, so that that was a huge luxury especially with somebody of, of chris's level of experience um, but with the team, it was it was a first time working for both um, me and Chris working with the with the director and producer Simon and Giancarlo, and so you know when you said the the what's the key to a good collaboration, it just my my immediate thought was you know I, th I think the key is you you have to be okay with failing, yeah. and. Yeah when it's your very first time working with somebody that can be a little intimidating to accept. Um, sure. But, but, you know, we, we kind of jumped in feet first on this project because the very first thing we worked on, cause it was, it was pretty early in the process. So I was kind of like, Oh, we know this guy's going to need a theme and here's everything we have. So why don't you just get started on some sketches? Um, and this guy, his name is the great wide wonder. And as you might be able to tell from his name, he's a, he's first of all he's a superhero, but he's a very cheesy one. Um, <laughs> and he needed it, there are all these superheroes, and they all kind of it's like almost like wrestling. They all have their walk up song, and so all the there's all the A list uh, superheroes, and they they all have their A game walk up song. And then there's this guy who is he's the he's Cotton Butcher's crosshairs in this episode, um, so he's kind of the focal point. So um, we needed to write a a theme song, a walk-up song uh, for this guy, but it needed to be cheesy. And um, it's almost like, um, you know, uh, Vought, which is the enterprise that that markets all of their superheroes. It's like Vought has a team of in-house composers, 
but maybe this guy, they kind of passed this one off to the intern to write his theme song, you know? <laughs> and so like it, we, that's kind of how we were like imagining like, oh, you know, the, the, the intern at the, you know, the in-house bot studios <laughs> is writing this theme. And, and so we, you know, we wrote something and, and we were just like, we were just chuckling. We were just giggling because we, we loved just how cheesy it was. But writing yeah. something cheesy is it can be a hard line to walk because if you don't go cheese enough, then you end up in this valley of ambiguity of like, right. I don't know, it's supposed to, like you don't know if it's supposed to be cheesy or not. You just know it's not great. Um, and and we kind of realized, you know, we're like, wow, this is the first thing we're sending to our new <laughs> collabor collaborators. I hope that, um, you know, uh, and so it was kind of, they, they loved it. And, and the sketch that we sent them is is nearly exactly what you hear um, in the episode, but with a live orchestra on it. Um, but so that, that was a fun way to get that relationship started. It's just like, well, we're going to, we're going to swing for the fence on this and we're going to, we're totally okay if we swing and miss. Um, yeah. and, and that, that got that party started. Absolutely. I just, I had, I had two conversations with, uh, recently with Henry Jackman and, and Dom Lewis for Bullet Train and for, uh, Grayman. And they both had similar stories where they're just like, you know, they swing for the fences and if, and if it fails, then it's better to mm -hmm. be able to just come down a little bit rather than yeah. keep kind of incrementally going up and trying to find the point. It's like, and then the Rousseau's would always be like, well, we, it's a little bit too much. We appreciate the swing, but let's just take it back a little bit. And Dom had a similar experience. So I thought it's very much true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh let's uh Philip, I want you to finish up finish this off on the topic and talk about collaboration again. You're working with Chris and you have this an animation, you know, with a big movie like that. I'm sure a lot of collaboration going on. So sure. Yeah. Uh well, piggybacking off of what Joy said, I think uh uh if I, if I understood correctly, I think one of the best things about what can happen from a collaboration, whether it's with a, another composer or, or a filmmaking team or what have you, is that at least for me, I, I invariably always find that, you know, my first pass might be whatever, it's okay, but it's always because of their, their input, it always gets better. And I, I always think, oh yeah, actually that was, that idea was actually really good. And I'm, Glad you said something because now the, the other cue is better and it just it it just elevates the whole the whole product um uh so i'm always very grateful for that even though you know it it might it you always want to be able to say like i get i did the best idea right off the bat and it's just like <laughs> no it doesn't rarely does it work like that at least for me it always it always gets better once right. you have this 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 dialogue so it's it just seems kind of essential i think um at least uh for working in in any kind of music in, in media um i would also say like uh something that's i think helpful for me and maybe this is more aspirational but i think it's important too to to understand what to have your roles be clearly defined whatever collaboration mm -hmm. you're you're in um and to uh, and to make sure uh, sometimes with me i tend to just personally uh acquiesce and sort of I, i'm sometimes too flexible and i sort of take a lot of ideas and then at sure. the end of the day i sort of think like wait what, what was my idea i sort of like so i think it's important to navigate all you know bring in everybody's uh different ideas but not let yours be lost in the background so that you know they're all kind of have an equal uh seat at the table if you will if that makes sense absolutely um, just want to make sure yeah. you don't have puppet strings attached and you're just kind of executing maybe somebody else's you know or you're in autopilot mode or something like that exactly you know? exactly yeah absolutely so uh let's go i want to go around again and you know we're talking about animation and i and i want to know what everyone's you know favorite animated scores are or maybe if you have the top one or two or that kind of pop into your head uh, for me, uh, I know that's not an original score, but Fantasia was the first film I think that I've ever saw. Like my, my parents, it was like the first thing that ever <laughs> put in front of my human eyes. And I think it explains a lot. I'm not a composer, but when I got into filmmaking, it was just like music was the driving point. That's what sent me to film school. It's what made me move out to LA and all that. But um, so Fantasia for me is just like the, I mean, the the top of motion and music. And I mean, of course, there's no dialogue. It's just all 
motion and music and movement and music. So I'm curious if we go around, if you have any tops uh, in your head that, you know, Joy, if you want to kick us off. <laughs> <laughs> I had my Fantasia moment with Lion King because that was my first oh, yeah? movie yeah. I ever seen. I, the, I was born that year. So like to me, it was like, ah, oh, that was a movie that uh, even now I think I will always go back to that score. But um, another, I absolutely love anything Joe Hisashi does. Um, oh, I just, yes, I'm, I'm constantly so fascinated by the, just the complexity of the emotions that he has in that score is so intricate. And um, I love that you can just feel different, differently every time you listen to his scores, depending on which stage of your life you're at. So I, I think that's just really transcendent and beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. I love revisiting things as you yeah. gain more life experience and you go back and yeah. it's like, how do you react to it? You know, now it's like, if you go through whatever, a breakup or a family death or something, mm-hmm. and then you go back and, you know, it's all as you mature, you know, you, yes. you bring yeah, as you grow, it's, it's the so human beautiful. condition again. Yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, Michelino, how about you? Is there any animated scores that really stand out for you? Well, actually, I, I, uh, I, I'm going to go back uh, in time. Uh, one of the greatest uh, animation composers, Scott Bradley. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, he made all the music, all the Looney Tunes. Looney yeah. Tunes music. Oh. Yeah. Such incredible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, and I adored it as a kid. I was like, oh, I think this is complex, but it's so great. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I actually found uh, some scores uh, not so long ago. Uh, um, and it's it's incredible it's incredible but if you go uh, more recently uh, one of the greats for me at least it's like a, a big friendly giant john williams score yeah it's an incredible sounding so it's in such it's an amazing piece oh, of art. yeah it's beautiful yeah i mean his tintin score is fantastic i mean he, does, he knows yeah. that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, so good <laughs> Um, but I'm glad you brought up Looney Tunes because, again, that's that really. I grew up watching a lot of the original Silly Symphony and Looney Tunes. You know, where there's no dialogue. Roadrunner, whether it's the Tom and Jerry, or just ch- you know Chipmunks before they were Rescue Rangers. You know, where it's just uh, just music and, and animation, and that's wow. so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it started the term Mickey Mousing. I mean, you're Steamboat yeah. Willie and moving yeah. forward. You know, it's just like With mirroring no every emotion. Yeah. No yeah. technique, just writing the, the score. Yeah, the timing to just hand drawn and writing. I can't even imagine. Like even <laughs> now, it's complicated. But it's right. like right. back then, I can't imagine. Um, but uh, Matt, take us, uh, take us to your favorites. What are your some of your favorites? <laughs> it's very, very, very hard to choose. There's, uh, I mean, oh, just yeah, even I mean. The, the Pixar world alone. It's like, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a sucker for when, when score and songwriting kind of do a dance. So, so. Yeah. I, I'm I might have to go with Randy Newman. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Just I mean the fact that he can write something like you know when she loved me and then jo- drop that in the middle of a movie and then just keep scoring and even when yeah. it's not you know when it's you know he's an obviously a legendary songwriter in his own right um, but even when it's not a song I feel like his cues kind of have a, a a sensibility where it's like oh is that a tune like if yeah. maybe it was a tune and they muted the lyrics and it worked as underscore you know like I, I love that sensibility that he he brings to his scoring so yeah the shape of his of, of everything it just it, you feel it there the just the shape of it yeah for sure yeah. um philip uh closes up what are some of some of your favorites <laughs> matt i have to uh so my son who's five has uh uh gone into an insane just period of just loving car the cars movies the pixar cars movies. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So i have a a a Yet again, another newfound appreciation for Randy Newman because I, in listening to, to the soundtrack, I, I totally agree. It sounds like that's like that's a tune, you know. So anyway, I totally agree. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, I, um, yeah, Kaya, I, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, Fantasia for me was 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 seminal both as a kid and then as a teenager. Yeah. I saw it again, and it really, I think it was very influential in 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 just my decision to be a composer, actually. Um, but um, I'm a huge fan of the original Disney Jungle Book. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, Triplets of Belleville. Actually, I thought it was a pretty. Ooh. That's a that's a great one. Yeah, that's an unusual a... movie and score, but just yeah, just weirdly great. <laughs> so good. It's a great. Yeah, it's one of those rare. I always, I always. Well, I mean, like the fact that Michaelino, you worked on something that has a little bit more adult themes. I feel like animation is so underutilized for 
uh, you know, for adults. I mean, when you think of adult animation, you think of South Park or Family Guy, you know, Simpsons, something like that. But just having this big, you know, big emotions and, and telling real stories is very rare. And I, I love like Triplets of Belleville was, again, something that was so creative and unique in its time, you know. I, I forget yeah. if it won the animated Oscar, I forget, but I know I it was nominated yeah. for sure. <laughs> but that's a great one. It's a great, a great pick. <laughs> Um, so I know, you know, we're talking about animation, but is, you know, this animation and beyond is our panel. So um, is there any recent non-animated projects uh, that you've worked on that you're particularly proud of? Something that maybe, you know, meant something to you, really creatively rewarding, uh, and maybe an interesting keyword theme that you worked on. So, uh, Joy, you want to kick us off? Anything outside um, of animation that you've been working on? Um, I can think of something I'm working on currently, which is the live action TV series. I, it, it's, I like it because it's, it, it's like pushing my me out of my comfort zone and trying to incorporate some contemporary pop beats into the score which I'm not typically you know used to that but I it's I love it that it's like pushing me out of my comfort zone and doing that sure, so yeah. hopefully I can talk about that sometime soon <laughs> yeah I gotta respect NDAs you know, yes. yeah. anything that you can't share please don't 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 feel pressure yeah. to share anything <laughs> we all know how it goes that. uh <laughs> uh Michelino, how about you outside of animation anything recently that particularly yeah, well, like maybe, stand out yeah maybe maybe outside of film because i i do sometimes work also uh, as just uh, concert music uh, so sure, just yes, uh, yes. just i just finished uh, composing a, a commission for a trumpet concerto one of the amazing trumpet players and uh, just uh i spent some some months to work on it and uh, just recently i hand over the the uh, the score it's always like I hope he's gonna like it. <laughs> but it's it's, it's it's uh I I like it it's like a play field a playground to to try new things out and 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 as a pianist I'm now uh, finishing well we're gonna start recording uh, soon um, uh, an album uh, just uh, with my trio with a string orchestra and just have fun in the studio do some great stuff and. And then, well, and then I have some some live action films coming up. But uh, now, a little playground moment for myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be so rewarding to not have to, you know, you're not locked to a picture. You're not locked to. You can just musically tell a story or paint a picture. Emotions. I mean, that must be so rewarding. I think just as a as a composer, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it is uh, when you have too much freedom, it's not good at all. Even <laughs> so, you have to you have to limit choices. You know, yeah. You know. So even if 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 you do whatever you want to do, it's it's not a good way to start, you know. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to setting my limits for myself. You know, I'm going to use this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to limit this. I'm going to do that. Uh, it's much more interesting and much more creative to work like that. I think. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, you need you need yeah, you need some very <laughs> very deadlines. Challenge, discipline, yeah. discipline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Philip, how about you? Anything outside of the, the realm of animation? Sure. Um, I uh, I wrote a choral piece over the pandemic. Uh, oh wow! Uh, that um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd uh, love. Uh, hopefully, can get performed at some point. But um, yeah, I was looking through. Um, I, I've written a couple of choral pieces before, and. Um, you know, as so many of us, we just don't, you know, I had extra time on my hands and I um, thought, I came across this poem by Dana Joya um, uh, called uh, My Handsome Cousin. And it uh, it's a ba basically about a dream that he had where his deceased cousin visits him and says, let me show you, let me show you this house that I bought. And he takes him on a tour of all these rooms. And then at the end, he says, let me show you the house that you're going to get. And then the dream ends. Um, but I was just very struck by um, by the poem, and I, I decided to set it for choir, and that was that. And yeah, I wow. I think I like it, but of course, you know, there's only so much you can imagine without real voices. So we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, well, hopefully, you can realize that, and I think it'll be amazing to hear that performed. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Matt. How about you? What's the what's in your world outside of animation? Anything you can share, talk about? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's uh, working on a holiday movie at the moment. Timing's, you know, right because we're in <laughs> August for a, yeah. for a holiday yeah. release. But um, so similar to Joy, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to kind of t table that. It is a sequel. It's a sequel to The Binge, which is another, which is a movie that I I scored. So we're bringing that back holiday style. But yeah. um, I guess something I, I can talk about. I know a lot of boys talk here, but The Boys came out 
June yeah. and then finale in July. And, you know, Chris has been the composer since day one on that. And I've, I've been, you know, with his team since day one. And then, um, I was able to co-score two of the episodes from this most recent season, which is season three, um, which is, which is awesome. And so le leading up to this season, there was a new element. That I suppose I can just talk about this. I mean, it's introduced in episode one. It's been out for a few months. It's called V24. I'll just leave it there. Um, and we knew this is, is unique to season three and it needed its own theme. And so, um, you know, Chris and I were, again, throwing ideas back and forth. And we came up with something that the showrunner loved, so which was awesome. We had this kind of ace up our sleeve or in our pocket, uh, one of those. Um, but uh, as we kind of looked at the arc of the season, we realized we couldn't launch it in all its glory until about episode four. And so we're like, oh, we have this thing that we really love. Anyways, we, we ended up putting it at the end of there. There's a there's a big recap at the beginning of the season, right? To remind you of all the major storylines yeah. coming into the season, about a minute and a half long. And the final 30 seconds ends just launches into this to this theme that that we had prepped. Um, and it just worked great. Uh, and, and again, the showrunner loved us implementing it there. Um, and so it was, you know, it's not a hugely thematic show. But it was really cool to actually like, oh, we, we kind of put a little Easter egg there of, you know, a score like, oh, that's just a recap. But actually, that's the theme you're going to hear um, quite a bit, you know, in the back half of the season. So um, I guess, yeah, in, in a weird way, maybe my, my favorite cue out of the season is the very, very first one, which also shows up as the first cue on the on the soundtrack that was just released. Yeah, well, I mean, congrats. I mean, you have word of mouth and the reviews on, on the boys constantly being Harold is one of the best, you know, dramas on TV. And, and so good. It's so Thanks. good. And I just, uh, your guys as a visual effects supervisor was over on the corridor digital channel breaking down visual effects with the visual effects reacts guys. It was pretty cool too. So, oh man, those guys, <laughs> the visual effects team, on that show. It's just... That team, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I don't know. Either. I mean, we think we think we're under the gun on the score side, but man, they they have a lot to do. Yeah, uh, and With the you TV know, schedule. At, yeah, at, at the highest quality too. So yeah, hats off to yeah, them. Where where nothing looks cheap or rushed. It's just it's fantastic. No, they do amazing work. <laughs> All right, so let's uh to wrap things up. You know, back to animation. We'll go around again. I, I'm curious if you have any advice for composers. Uh, pursuing work in this medium or you know maximizing success on on current projects you know if you just have maybe like a one one piece of advice like one sentence one little blurb that you could say like how do you you know motivate the the, the new talent coming into this industry or people who are getting their or, you know feet in the door so uh Michalino, why don't you uh start us off well, I would say be reliable and be patient. Uh, I think <laughs> it's very, very, very important. Don't push it. Just do what you do, and and then things will come up. Absolutely, That's That's great. <laughs> great, great point, uh, Matt. What about you? Um, I guess uh, the one word that comes to mind is practice. Just I mean, you got there's a bit of the ten thousand hours thing where you got to write a lot of bad music first. Um, <laughs> sorry, at least that was for me. I don't know about the rest of the composers on here, but um, absolutely, sure, yeah. You know, I I, I guess there's I, I feel like there's just so much information out there, and there's so many great forums. And I feel like there's a lot of young composers like, great, I know how to score, and it's like, yeah, but have you actually implemented like? Have you have you started with a blank slate? Because that is a very hard thing, and and if you're looking to get animation, get you know rip some videos off. You don't don't do that. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, practice yeah. against some established stuff and yeah. mute the mute the just practice, practice, practice is is my long winded yeah. answer. Yeah, Spitfire does their you know co composing competition. I think they're doing it again right now. <clears> where you can. They make a partnership with the studio and they could get a scene i think in westworld i forget what the new show that they're they're using now but yeah that's a great opportunity for composers to yeah that's at bridgerton that's right yeah thanks yeah <laughs> uh but yeah joy uh jump in what's uh what's your once what's your piece of advice <laughs> uh just not be afraid to try something new uh, or unusual you know you're hired for this project to bring on your unique perspective so just go wild be creative i think filmmakers love that if you bring a new perspective yeah. I think if you bring your own voice, people, you know, you want people to invest in you and not, you yes. know, uh, see a lot of people that are just like, oh, I want to 
you know, be like Hans Zimmer, John Williams. Right. Like, Those Sound like exist. this person. Yeah. They already exist. You can't do that. They, they'll go to them. They do it better than anyone. So yes. be, be true to yourself. I know you people get stuck in temp tracks and having to do sound like sometimes, but if you can push through that and yeah, make it flourish with your own voice, you'll definitely, that'll be rewarding for sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, Philip, why don't you close this out? What's a yeah, piece I, of wisdom? I, I agree with all of you guys. I, yeah, completely, 100% agree. Uh, not too much to add. Uh, just maybe just, yeah, uh, listen, follow your curiosity, because uh, your curiosity yeah. will take you to your your specific identity and your, your specific voice, I think, I'd like to think. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe don't, don't be afraid to explore colors, too, um, mm. to bring that back to my very first point. But yeah, everything everybody has said is spot on. Absolutely. So uh, thank you, everybody, for such an amazing panel. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. But, you know, thank you, Michalino, Joy, Matt, thank Philip, you. for being here with us to discuss all work you. and share all, all your perspective. And thanks to Impact24 uh, PR for putting this panel together Woo! and helping schedule everybody. And, uh, and thank you all for watching. We have uh, more videos in this series. So head to filmmusicmedia.com and uh, check them out. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Thank you all. Thank you.